It's like I put my courage together and I put the rope around his neck. I asked, when are you going to listen? He said, mommy, I'm going to listen. And when he said, mommy, I'm going to listen, I just pulled the rope tighter. I've been wanting to speak to my next guest for a very long time. And trust me, she was not an easy person to find. For the past few weeks, I've been on a mission to track her down from calling her friends and family to driving through the Cape Flats and knocking on people's doors. After many failed attempts, I almost gave up, but I'm really glad I didn't because eventually I did find her. And guys, this episode brought me to tears a few times. If you have never heard the name Ellen Puckies before, you're about to hear one of the craziest stories of all time. I also have a really big announcement to make, and this one is long overdue. The Wide Awake podcast is finally available to stream on all audio platforms, and I would really appreciate it if you guys could head over to Spotify and leave a five-star review and stream a few episodes because that will help us uh, start climbing the charts. And the Wide Awake podcast is not here to take part. We are here to take over, and I need your guys' help to do that. So please head over to Spotify and other streaming platforms and leave a review and, yeah, stream a few episodes. I would really appreciate that. But without further ado... I want to jump straight into this episode. So ladies and gentlemen, I introduce Ellen Puckies. Just to start off, Ellen, I think the best place to start with you, I think, is just from the beginning, you know, before all of this stuff happened, mm. right? Okay. Because you have your own story as well. Mm. Um, obviously, what happened with your son was very tragic, but you've also had a very hard life. Mm. And I want to talk about your childhood and how you grew up. So... I mean, where, where did you grow up? I first want to thank the Lord for being here with you and thank you for you for fetching me and bringing me here. It's a pleasure. For me, it was not actually a nice time when growing up. As a child, I was kidnapped, I was raped, I was gang raped, I was sodomized and um, just left for dead. And, uh, you know, there's some stories that I don't really share with the people, but... I'm actually open for it. My parents were drinkers and life was not easy for me as a child. Uh, I had to look after myself. And at school, I was always bullied by the teacher or the children. And the, the, I would never wanted to go home. And I didn't want to go to school. I thought to myself, no, man, I'm not going to go to school anymore. So my mother took me out of school and she put me into Delta at Lavendale. And... Uh, I couldn't concentrate in school because of what happened in my house. In my house, there's everybody's drinking. People are coming there and they um giving money to buy wine, uh, to buy food, and then I had to pay with it, you know. So my room was never my never my own. Uh, my bed was never my own. Uh, I would always have to sleep with my clothes on. I never knew what it was to have a pajamas on. Um, I never had um, clothes. I had to pick up clothes to shake it out. We need to blow from the window, from the wind. And then I would just put on the things that I have. I mean, that didn't hurt me at all. It just was because my mother never looked after me. And that is what hurt me most, you see. And uh, I just carry on loving. I didn't complain about it. I didn't say anything about it. Uh, I never looked for anybody to talk to. I didn't know I could talk about it. And it took me 32 years not to speak. Um, I never had friends because I was kidnapped. And, and at that day, 
um, when I was kidnapped, this girl that I thought she was my friend, she said to me, you're already raped. And I was looking at her and I thought, what is she saying to me? And I didn't understand the word, but I thought in my mind, maybe she's saying something bad to me. And I left. As I think about it, as I grow up, and I heard when I was 26 years old, I heard about things that, like we're doing here now over the radio, that, that what was happening to me was actually bad. Because somebody just... So you heard people speaking about the things you went through on the radio. Yes. And that's when you realized that, that it wasn't normal. That That's when I only realized. Because you grew up in an area and I don't know if... I mean, I'm sure everyone in South Africa knows Lavender Hills. Mm. But it is so violent. It is so dangerous. Mm. And I mean, the things that even just you've spoken about today, right? Because I've, I don't think I've ever spoken to a lady... Um, from Lavender Hills or from the Cape Flats. Mm. Um, I've spoken to a lot of guys, a lot of gangsters, you know, but just hearing the amount of abuse you've suffered and mm. you see on a regular basis. And I wanted to know, when was the first time you were sexually abused? From four years old. From four years old. Mm. And who was the perpetrator who did it? It's the people where we stayed, you know. Friends of family oh, or? The people of the house where we stayed. And, uh, well, they didn't think about it in that way. And there was also this thing that I could, you, couldn't, you were not allowed to speak about what adults do to you, you know. Mm. And I think that is not right. So especially in that kind of way where you as a child are uh, being abused and you can't speak about it. You just bottled it up. Yes, I just bottled up and keep it to myself, mm. you know. But uh, when I asked God and I said, Father, uh, lead me in the right way and when to go to my mother and my dad to, to, uh, to tell them. And the Lord lead me. And when I got there, I said, Ma, uh, in Pa, come, I want to speak to you. They were still busy in the kitchen. I said, Ma, I want to speak to you now. Can you just leave that and let me speak to you? And I said to her, you know what? You, none of you know me. Even, even though I stayed in your house, um, I was like um, kidnapped rape, mm. uh, sodomize, and all those things from people. And um, you didn't even know me. And you know what my dad said who brought me up? He said to me, it's like I was looking for it. And I just swallowed it, and I thought, okay, it's fine. And, um, you know, after, the, after three days, my dad died. After you told him? After I told him. He just felt dead. So, I don't know, you know. So... Mm. And I mean, that wasn't the only time as well. I mean, you, you like you said, you were you were gang raped. Um, I was going on the street. My mother had to send me to the shop. That time, the shops were still open late at, in the evening. I had to go and go buy cigarettes or something for them. And when I got uh, along the road where the community center is, where we stopped, you remember this morning? Yeah. Uh, the community this is just over there. I walked that way, and as I got to the community center. Two guys approached me. They said to me, if you don't go with us, we're going to stab you with this knife. And then I said to them, no, don't stab me. Give the knife to me. I'm going to go with you. Didn't know where they're going to take me. And they took me to a, a, a place where I didn't even know what was going on there. It was very dark. I couldn't see in front of me. And I didn't know who were there. So I, will, I got gang raped from all that men that was there. 
And then I had to go home and I didn't even... You just bottled it up again? It didn't was like, like nothing happened to me, you know? And when did you turn to prostitution and, and why did you turn to prostitution? Prostitution was one that was on the street, you know? I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to stay home anymore because it seems like nothing could change there. And um, I was actually sold for prostitution. You were sold into prostitution. I was never interested in prostitution because I didn't know what prostitution is. So there was younger and bigger girls with me uh, when I was on the street and they were the ones actually selling me to be in prostitution. And How old were you? Like I said, I was 13. You were 13. Mm, I didn't like the, the things I had to do. But that is how life was for me. And it was not actually a nice life. I'm sure but not. I mean, no 13-year-old girl should be on the street selling their body for no. food, you know. So you you, you were raped, right? Yes. And you ended up having the, the child yeah. uh, of the, the man that raped you. Yes. Uh, which, which son was that? That's Rudolf. Rudolf. Yes. And when was um, Addy born? He was the last. The last the born. The third one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, what what is that like to obviously be assaulted by someone and then finding out that you're pregnant with their child? For when I was pregnant with Rudolf, I was actually still living on the street. And, um, but I was always, I always loved him. It doesn't matter where he comes from, he was mine, you know, um, I always wanted to protect him when he was a baby of and that. And he's now, he's 40 years old now. So um, wherever he is, I hope he's safe there where they are, you know. I want to talk about AB. Mm-hmm. Um, so who was his father? Um, and yeah, tell me a little bit about AB and where he comes from, who his father is. Well, AB's uh, dad is uh, Colin Titus. And, uh, well, he was very, very, very abusive himself. You know, I was pregnant with um, AB. He was also drinking. And I couldn't understand the drinking. But he was just more than drinking. He was very abusive. And uh, I had to look after him also. And that was too much for me. Mm. And even now, my husband that I married now, I had to look after him also. And for 34 years he was drinking and that was too much for me. And that's why I can't, I don't understand why I end up with people drinking. The drinking is nothing. I don't mind that. But it's the way people behave when they are drinking. I was thinking, when will this ever end? And it didn't seem to me it was going to end. You know, I didn't see a way out. So AB was born into a very kind of, it was, it was a very tough time in your life, right, when A.B. was born. Yes, and yes, yes. What was he like as a kid? A.B. was actually a very, they were all very um, jolly, jolly. He was a good kid. Yes. Happy kid. Yes, they're all very jolly. They like to make music. You know, like you could put the music on and they will fall asleep. <laughs> so, uh, yes, and uh, they like to draw. They were good in playing uh, sports, soccer and cricket, all of three of them. And when did the cracks start to show with AB, right? So he was a young kid and he was a happy kid. Mm. When did things start to go badly? Things started to go badly for AB when he was in school. And he was nearly going to grade five. 
actually was in five already. But it was going bad because I wasn't at home. I was always working. I had to work, you know, because I, 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 I didn't find life easy. And I didn't want just to handouts. I, I worked for all my life. From 13 years old, I went to start working. Uh, when I came from the street, I went and it went from street to work, from street to work. And that's when he started smoking. Smoking tech. First smoking taha. Okay. I think he started out with cigarettes first. And then he wanted to go out of that school. That's when everything went wrong. He turned already 14 years old. When he came to me at Mars, he used to steal the money. And I would think it's a children stealing the money. He would take the money of the children's pocket money. And then I said, he mustn't come there anymore. Is that when he started smoking tuck and, and using harder drugs? Yes, he started smoking tuck and using harder drugs, which I don't know what is the other drugs. But then he started bringing guys over the wall. Every day and every night when I'm not there, he will bring the guys over. I didn't allow him because what I did is I had to put myself in debt to put him a place up at the back because I didn't want him in the house anymore because in the night he would go out and leave my front door open. He would leave the doors open as you're sleeping, leaving the TVs mm. on and things like that. When I will come home, my, my kettle will be gone, stealing my kettle. My dryer will be gone. My whatever. So he was stealing stuff he to sell it for drugs. Stealing, yes. And then he started stealing his dad's money under the bed. So he was just taking everything. He was just taking everything. And, and how old was he at that time? At that time, he was now 14 or Still 14, eh? Yes, still 14. And um, things became bad. I took him to the police station. I saw my go call the police for him. I take him to the police station. And all they were saying just, um, he's underage. You can't do anything, you yeah. Can't do. Did you see him? No, but he stays in the house, but you didn't see him. Anyway, then you just leave him. But you still again, you take him to again to the police station. Then all they will say, did you see him? No, I didn't see him, but he stays in my house. He's the only one there. No, mm. they didn't believe me. They so they want, they want you to see him stealing. They want yeah. to see him stealing. And then they gave him a letter. Uh, and uh, he was quick to go to the police about the letter. But the letter was just a warning, you know, mm -hmm. because now he's underage. And things became bad, you know. It was a constant thing. My, right, my windows would be thrown uh, in. He would smash the uh, windows. Every food that I gave him would throw the plate broken, he throw the kettle broken. He would steal my husband's clothes. He would steal clothes when I buy him clothes, new clothes. He would steal that clothes and go sell it. And was he selling this just for drugs? He was selling it for drugs. Everything, you know. And I mean, we know tech, like it, it, it's called tech in South Africa, but overseas and I think speed. I think it's called methamphetamine. And methamphetamine. Right? Yes. Mm. And I mean, it's so heavily addictive and it's cut down with so many different kinds of things. I mean, this this is the composition of, of tick, what it's made out of. It says, tick is a stimulant that directly affects the body's central nervous system. It most often contains a combination of chemicals such as amphetamines, uh, talcum powder, baking soda, and pseudofederin. Uh, it is sold in small bags and it comes in a crystal form or a crushed powder. And I mean, Tuk is ravaging all these communities in South Africa. Um, I think especially the Cape Flats, mm -hmm. right? It's one of the, the, the more popular drugs there. Mm. So, I mean, a 14-year-old on Tuk running around stealing. I mean, was he joining gangs? Was he a, a gang member or... Well, he wasn't a gang member, but he was hanging out with him. 
you know. He was affiliated. He was affiliated with them. Um, and the thing is this also, it, his teeth, he had beautiful teeth. After that, he didn't have any more teeth. They start falling out and... Frotting away, rotting off. It start becoming black teeth. It, it, it didn't make look... It didn't look well uh, nice mm. anymore. You know, that, that child that I know. And that's why I call him... I call them the Tuck Monster. It the was Tuck Monster. Um, it was that. That was the name. Uh, because, you know... When he used Tuck, he became a monster. He became a monster, Yes. What were some of the other things that he would do? Obviously, he was very abusive. He was very abusive. He would steal all your guys' money. Um, At was, close. Was, was that the kind of worst things he would do? There was not there. There was worse things than that. That was not even... Can you tell me about some of those things? That's when he was drawing a knife at me twice. Then my eldest, uh, Rudolf's son, had to come in there and saw him while he was standing. He's already tall. Now he's standing on the bed and he have this scissors where he wanted to stab me. And uh, when uh, Aiden came in there, he then, he, Aiden asked him what he's doing and then he stopped. Then there was a second time when uh, he had a knife and uh, he wanted to stab me. I had to put extra strength. I don't know even where I got the extra strength to get the knife from him. And in the same time, my husband came there and he went to the police station and then he just ran away. Every time when the police came... Baby he would run away. Yes. I want to know, did you, when you saw, you looked at your son, right, and when he was being abusive and when he was stealing from you and when he was doing all of these things, did you see in him the men that abused you when you were younger? Did you see it in him? Like he's the same. What I saw was myself in him, not in the abusive way, but in the hard time, hard time. With, in the pain. In the pain. I saw that pain that, that I was carrying. I saw that pain in, in him. And um, I didn't know what to do with this. The police couldn't help. Um, the court couldn't help me. Um, the social workers couldn't help me. Nobody helped. They couldn't understand what I was talking about. Did, did AB ever try to get sober? Did he ever try to stop using drugs? Well, there was a time that I helped him. I, I went to the chemist and I actually went to help him to get off the drugs. There was that milk thistle I bought and uh, I gave it to him so that it's like a, 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 a herb that you give. And uh, I let him drink it. And then um, he was trying to get off, but he couldn't. So he wanted to stop, but he just couldn't. He wanted to stop, but he couldn't. I'll tell you a quick story that relates to this, right? And do you have you ever suffered from addiction? You don't have a, a, a drug problem, eh? No, I, I I used to smoke drugs, but I don't never okay never had a a problem with a problem it. with yeah. drugs. But um, when when I was younger and I was using drugs, this just shows you how bad addiction is, right? Because I was using cocaine every single night for years and many other drugs, but cocaine was the main one and the worst one for me. Mm. And it got to the point where it was so bad that I wanted to stop using. But I had money on me this one night and whenever I had money, I went to go buy drugs. Um, and I, I just really didn't want to this night. I just wanted to go to bed, have a good night's sleep and wake up the next day and, and start afresh, you know? But I had this money and I couldn't go to bed. It was one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. And eventually, 
I just said, I'm going to go buy it. And I called the dealer and I bought cocaine. I came home and I flushed it down the toilet and I went to bed. I had to get rid of the money that I had. I couldn't just put it away. I had to get rid of it mm. because otherwise I couldn't fall asleep, you know? So that's how bad it is. It's, it, it, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm so glad that I got out of that. But like, you know, there's so many people that don't, right? There's so many people that don't. And obviously that's, that's sadly what happened to AB. He could never get out of it. Um, and he wanted to get out of it. Mm. And then we all friends, do. Then he had the friends also around him, you know? I think there's, there's, I don't think there's a single addict on this planet that wants to be an addict. No, they don't want to be. So now I want to talk about the incident that took place, right? Um, and I mean, when I heard this, I think when the whole country heard what happened, it shocked everyone to their core. So you murdered your son. Can you tell me about the days before that happened? Was there anything that he was doing that was different? Was he getting worse or what, what triggered that, right? What happened in the days leading up to it? I took him to the hospital and um, he then just he forgot his appointment or something because I gave him an injection. And then afterwards, then he just, when that, uh, the injection draw from his body, he became worse after that. What was the injection for? The injection was for him to, to calm down because I couldn't handle that anymore, you know. And he was he, just out of control. He was just out of control. Then the police came and uh, I don't even know where the police came from. And now I'm thinking I have to make food for tonight because tonight when AB comes, then uh, he wants food. But the night breaks and AB come and he didn't want food. He wanted money, 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 which I don't have. And I throw the 20 rand through the window for him. I said, I don't have money. I didn't want my husband to hear. Otherwise, he, me and he will be on a fight. On a fight again. You didn't want your husband to know that you were going to give him 20 rand? No, I didn't want, yes. I didn't want yeah. him to know that I throw the 20 rand to him. Because mm. I just want him to go away. Yeah. And um, so I gave him the 20 rand. And I said, I don't have my money. Go away. He didn't want to do. He wanted more money. He was kicking and throwing the bricks against the door and the window against the fridge and whatever it did. And uh, I said, A.B., now go away. Can you please go away? And he then, I just removed myself from the kitchen and I went to stand where you opened the door this morning. I went to stand in a lounge. And then uh, I said to myself, I have to go to work tomorrow. I need to go to sleep. But I went to bed and I couldn't fall asleep. I had to lay awake the whole night because it's now seven years that AB went on like that. And um, I went to bed and I was just laying in the bed. And uh, it's morning breaks and I hear AB jump over the wall. And I got out of bed and I went to the back. I want to speak to AB now. When I got to the back, AB was just lying on the floor. And I said to him, Abby, no, why are you lying on the floor? You can must lie on the bed. Can I make you some tea? And he, mm, he said to me, mm. and I went inside and I make him some tea. And when I got there, uh, I bring the tea back. And in the same time, my husband come and he come greet us because he's going to work now. I went to him with the, to the front door. And as I approached to the, the gate, I locked the gate and I closed uh, the door. And I turned myself around and I saw there's a rope on the computer disk. 
I took the rope with me and I went to the back. I want to speak to Abby now. And uh, I came there and I just standing there. And uh, I want to speak to Abby now. But I just want to speak to him and see what he says to me. And uh, I then, it's like I put my courage together and I put the rope around his neck and I fasten it on the back, uh, in the end of the bed. And he wake up and he said to, he was uh, swearing at me and he had a board that he was drawing on and he wanted to hit me with a board. I said, put the board down. I just want to talk to you and please don't swear at me. Why don't you appreciate what I do for you? I do for you. Why you keep on doing what you're doing? And uh, I asked, when are you going to listen? He said, mommy, I'm going to listen. And when he said, mommy, I'm going to listen, I just pulled the rope tighter. And I pulled the rope tight and I fastened it on the bed and I was just standing there. And as I stand there, I said, um, I was looking at him and I thought, ah, maybe he's a funny guy. He likes to make jokes. Uh, he's just, I didn't even know what I was thinking, but he was thinking, I was thinking he was sleeping, you know? And uh, in the same time, I said, Father, forgive me for what I did. And it's like something from my head till my shoulders go out and I feel light. And um, I went inside and I went to, went to dress, the same dirty clothes that I had. And I'm saying to myself, I'm going to go to the police station tonight when I come. And when I got to the workplace, the, the people were waiting for us at the station. And uh, when we got to the house where we work, me and the lady that cleans the house, I, she said to me, it's, it's okay. And I don't know what, what she's meaning because she's busy making coffee for us. And she said, it's okay. I said, no, it's not okay. Um, so did you tell her what happened? No, I didn't at first. She just said to me, it's okay. She came out of the blue. and She could just see something was wrong. She just said, so I don't know. And then she come to me again and she said to me, oh, something, uh, everything is okay. I said to her, no, everything is not okay. Um, I, I killed my son. And that's when she shouted there in the house. And she called Mr. Rogers, the people that we worked for. And um, he come and he asked me if I'm all right. I said, no, I'm not all right. Can he take me to the police station? I got there and they put me in handcuffs. And uh, they first didn't understand. And then I said to them, I came because I, I killed my son. Then they put the cuffs on me. I gave them my keys. And that's where they found AB. So they, they found him in bed alone. They found him in bed alone. Obviously dead, right? Yes. Yeah. And then um, while I was at the police station, I would stay there for a week. At the police station for a week? Yes. Uh, I would go to um, forensics and, um, you know, statements that I needed to give and things like that. And uh, the people that I was working for, they went to buy for me a brush and a towel, uh, underwear that they bring to the police station for me, you know. And I'm so thankful for them also for that. And um, I stayed there, and after that I went to court. And when I appeared in the court, there was I first had a legal um, representative, but then 
after the legal, they couldn't. I th- I think the lady couldn't handle it. Was she just like a government representative? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then they then she gave me another one. The other one went away. Then I get another one, and when I appeared the second time in court, then there was a man, and he was standing there and he was listening what the magistrate was saying. And then afterwards I just saw he approach me and he asked, first approached the magistrate and asked, can he speak to me? And then he came and he asked me, can he represent me? And uh, he first went to ask the legal representative. He said, okay. And she said, okay. And he said to me, um, Mrs., uh, I heard what the magistrate was saying, that you need to go for 30 days observation at Falkenberg. But you Falkenberg is a mental institution, yeah. Yes. And he said, but you don't look like um, somebody that needs to go there to the mental institution. Can I represent you? And I was looking at the man and I'm looking from top to bottom and I thought, this man is very smartly dressed. I don't have money for this man. And I said to him, I don't have money to pay you. He said, I don't want money. Then I said, then you are sent from God. And... Only after the case, while the case was going on, it was a year when that case went on. So you were going to court for about a year? Yes, for a whole year, yes. And then uh, the magistrate actually, the prosecutor said to me, Mrs. Puckies, you committed the murder and you needed to go to prison. And uh, I said to her, she can do what she want to. I didn't care at the time. And... Uh, the magistrate was didn't want people to change. You know, the people in the court, they wanted. she wanted the same people that represent. She wanted the same people there. And uh, she was very strict with them. And um, it was not an easy experience thing yeah. to, to, to do. Even the, the advocate, there was a time when he was, wanted to give up we came and kneel in front of me and his face was full of sweat. And I was just taking my tissue and I rubbed his face and I said to him, it's going to be okay. And uh, we pulled through. And that wasn't us. God was there with us, you see. And so when the magistrate gave the, the, verdict. the verdict, she said, Mrs. Pakis, you're going to go and... Tell other mothers not to do what you did. And you will have community service for, for 280, 280 hours. 80 hours for, it was, I think it was for three years or what was for, but anyway. And three years suspended sentence it was for you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was your, the, the, instead of going to prison, they said you're going to do 280 hours of community service. Um, and a three-year suspended sentence, so you didn't serve any prison time, right? No. Do you think if he could see all of this, right, do you th- and understand from your perspective why you did what he did, do you think he would hold it against you, or do you think he would understand why you did what you did? I think he will understand me. He will still be angry with me, but he would understand. And... Um, not, I didn't do it because, uh, I don't even know. Not going to even say something about mm. it because I don't even know why I did it. Do you have any regrets? I do. 
I do. The first relationship which I went never had children. Because the way I grow up, I shouldn't have had. But I did think that you must have children, you know? And I don't regret the children. It's the way life was treating me. For have, they have to bring them into a world like this, you know? That is it. And for me to be a killer or a murderer, that what even my children in the community did call me that. I'd never even thought of killing somebody when I was a young person. I never even had that kind of thought in my head. So why would I have done that? Why did that come to my mind? I don't know. And I don't want people to feel sorry for me or anything, you know. Nothing like that. I just thank the Lord to think that I'm worthy still and forgiving me. That's all. And we were speaking just now about the different personalities, right? Mm. The happy Ellen and the abused Ellen. Do you think, and, and often people that suffer from the abuse like you did, they can disassociate, right? They... They, they can have times when, say, like that the days leading up to you, you taking your son's life, right? You said there was a lot of abuse and things were getting really bad. Do you think you had disassociated? You weren't Ellen. You were something else that, that day. Or did you, did you make the conscious decision to, to murder him? I don't know. I don't know. It just happened. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk to him. I think... Um, When he said he, he was going to listen, I think I had enough of that words. You know, that words was too much. Because I heard it often. And it didn't stop. He was just keep on going. That was that. It's often, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Forgive me, forgive me. Mm. The, the words lose their meaning after, after a while. Mm. Yes. And just to end off, I mean, if... You could say something to him now. What would what would you say? I would say I'm sorry for what I did, and you know that I'm still loving. And I wish that he was here. I'm sorry for what you've been through. No, it's fine, okay. Yeah. We were speaking in the car just now. Like, I was saying, like, your story is unique, but it's also not unique, you know, because so many people in areas like the ones you're living in Mm -hmm. go through those things. You know, it's like a a normal thing. But it's not normal. It's not normal. When you grow up only seeing one thing, that is your normal, right? You know, I I always say this, but places like the Cape Flats and Lavender Hills and the townships in Africa, something needs to be done because this is so normal, this stuff. It's just normal. But there's this, this thing that we need to change our mindset. The mindset is the most important thing. That is it, yes. Amazing. Well, Ellen... 
<laughs> you are an absolute star. I'm so happy we finally got to meet. You know, I didn't know if this would happen. I was, I was really trying hard to make this happen because, I mean, I think your story really needs, I know it's been heard by a lot of people, but this hopefully will show it to another generation, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming down. It's been an absolute honor talking to you. Thank you. Talking to you too, Joss. May the Lord just bless you and let your business just flourish further on. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. In Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you all for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wide Awake Podcast. We go through a lot to put the show together. So if you enjoyed it, drop a like, subscribe to the channel. And um, yeah, thank you so much for watching. I'll see you all very soon. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Ellen. <laughs>